Good morning. Welcome to Hope. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be gathered together this morning. A special welcome to those folks who are joining us online today. We are glad that you are here as we continue this sermon series on emotions, doing our our best to look at emotions as a gift from God. I think it's easy to swing one of two ways. When it comes to emotions, first is the way of over-feeling, of over-following our emotions, and the other is, is the way of, of disregarding them, not letting emotions take hold in our life at all, and Stoic Lutherans have done that for centuries, and I will tell you, it's not always good. I think we know that. So instead, our our faith helps us to see that emotions are a gift from God, that God has given us emotions to help us navigate this life, to see the world, what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, emotions to help us in our relationships and emotions uh, that can help bring us through tough times, through grief. Think of of the ways that, that grief can actually carry us in ways that we don't expect. Think about how the emotion of sex Sadness can teach us something in life, and today we talk about joy. Joy, and I think joy is often uh, misunderstood in our culture and in our world. Here are some things that have been said about joy. The great philosopher uh, Aristotle said, happiness depends on ourselves. Boy, I hope not. I hope not. David Lee Roth, who was the singer for Van Halen, said, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a big yacht big enough to to pull up right alongside it. I hope that's not true either. George Burns, the comedian, said that happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. Ken Hubbard, the cartoonist, said it's pretty hard to tell what does bring happiness. Poverty and wealth have both failed. Where does it come from? I think joy, happiness are often misunderstood in our world and in our culture. We believe that it's something we can pursue, something we can create, something that we can manufacture on our own, but that's not true. Joy is something divine that comes only from God, only from his grace. C.S. Lewis, the great author and thinker about God, put it this way. He said, joy is in the serious business of heaven. God is in the business of joy. And so we come today. You and I, we come here today seeking that, not a cheap, simple joy, not a thrill or a fading happiness, but we seek the joy of the Lord, the joy of the cross, the kind of joy that the psalmist talks about when he writes this, come, let us worship the Lord, let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. We pray today with joy. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we give you thanks for your word that guides us in this life. As we open it today, help us to find your joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Alistair Begg is a, a Scottish pastor who serves at a church in Cleveland, Ohio, and he tells this story of speaking at a conference out on the West Coast in 2009, and after he had finished speaking, he was out in the lobby or, or in, in the, the foyer, and, and there were people shuffling out, and he was standing there, and as he was standing there, a woman approached him, and she said, hi, she introduced herself, and then she slipped him a little note, and, and he took that note home, and he read it later, and he kept that note because he loved the story that was inside of it. A dear friend of this woman who had written the note, a devout Christian man, had been going through treatment for a a rare brain cancer, and he was hospitalized for this many times. And as he faced this diagnosis, as he faced this treatment, he did it with hope and with courage and with a realistic optimism and with something else that was surprising to the people who he met, joy. And that joy came because he knew that he didn't face it alone. He knew that even in the midst of this trial, that Jesus walked with him. At one point during one of his hospitalizations, he came to hear something that a nurse had written on his chart. She had written these words, the patient is inappropriately joyful. (laughs) Now his friend, the woman who wrote the note, After hearing about this, she continued, and she wrote these words in that note to Pastor Begg. She said, Pastor Begg, since then, it has been one of my goals to be inappropriately joyful. I think the nurse made a mistake, which all of us have done, which all of us do in this life, She confused two words, two feelings, two emotions, happiness and joy. I don't know if that patient was happy. He probably was at some point. But I do know that he did have joy. And joy is different than happiness. The world, you and I included, thinks that happiness is this ultimate destination. It's this place that we arrive at, and once we get there, life is good. The headlines in magazines and newspapers, the books, the highest grossing, the best-selling books have titles like finding happiness within yourself, or three easy steps to finding happiness, five ways to increase your happiness according to science. And we go out and we buy these books and we read them and then we forget them and then we move on to the next thing that is supposed to make us happy, the next thing that will move us into that state of bliss that lasts a lifetime. What a terrible road for us to walk because it leads nowhere. Not because happiness is bad, not because happiness is impossible to find, but because we have misunderstood happiness. We have confused it with something else entirely. We have confused it with joy, the joy of Jesus, and we have given it the place of joy to hold in our hearts and in our lives. You see, happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. It's an escape. It's a moment of pleasure. It's excitement. And those things can be good, but happiness, it comes and goes with circumstance, with the things going on in and around us. Think of the word itself, hap. H-A-P is the root, and it's also the root of words like perhaps, or happenstance, or haphazard. All of those things are 
related to chance or what some people might call luck or good fortune. See, happiness can come fast and it can leave just as quickly. I remember a happy uh, summer day, beautiful day up in Lakes Country. This was a few years ago. I was sitting on the uh, bench in the street of a little uh, lake town, and I was eating ice cream. And so it doesn't get much better than that. But I was watching uh, this cutest little boy. He came walking out of the, the shop, and he, uh, he had an ice cream cone in his hand, and it was about two or three scoops high. It was a big waffle cone. There was a little bit melting down over his fingers. And I'm sure he was just imagining this moment where he would get to peel the paper off that cone and he would get to go in for those last few bites, the best ones where the ice cream is melted a little bit in the bottom. He, he went for a big lick on that big cone and just like that, plop, the cone fell to the ground. Right into the sand and the dirt and the concrete. How quickly happiness can fade. His dad got him a new cone, by the way, for those of you who are worried. And he's living a great life now. <laughs> Happiness is like that. It comes and it goes. And that becomes a problem for us because we hold it in the wrong place. You know this in your life. You, you thought that that one job would get you to this happy place, but three months in, you're swamped and, and you're doubting yourself and it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be or, or maybe you risked it on that car, the, the one you always wanted, the one with the big payment. You could swing it, but now you're driving around and on the outside, the, the car looks great, headed down the street, but on the inside, you're still tired as you drive down the street and you're still worried about that family member or about your work or about that person that you don't get along with or, or maybe happiness was a destination probably tropical, sunny uh, we were fortunate, we went to Arizona this spring and, and the plane took off right after a blizzard and, and I'll tell you we were pretty happy to get down there and to be in the sun looking at the cactus and the desert and the flowers were blooming in the desert but, but that feeling didn't last Yes, it gave us some rest. It gave us space to clear our heads. Yes, we would absolutely go again. But when we came home, guess what? There was another blizzard waiting for us. When we make happiness our ultimate destination, when we make it something that we produce or catch, like an ice cream cone or a car or a vacation, we will always be searching because those things, yes, they can produce a little happiness, sometimes a really good happiness, but they can't bring us joy. Now, I'm not knocking happiness or ice cream or cars or good jobs. We need those things. We need happiness. We do. But, but to really have it where it's supposed to fit in our lives, in the right place, we have to find something more important first. We have to find joy. Because joy is something different. 
Happiness is fleeting and it's happenstance, but joy is eternal and it's solid and it endures through the tough things in our lives. We don't grab it, we don't buy it, we don't reach for it, but instead we stand on it, we rest in it, we experience it. No matter what is happening around us, no matter what life brings, you know people like that patient with the inappropriate joy who carry deep joy in their lives. It's in them the joy of Jesus and his goodness, and you know that something is different for them, that they have a strength, that they have a hope, that they have a foundation that's hard to shake because it's more than happiness, because more than happiness, they have joy. And you and I can find that too. So where do we find it? That's the question. Where do we find it? Well, we want the 10 easy steps We want the three daily routines for finding joy and keeping it forever. We want the quick magazine article or the book that we can buy, maybe not even read, just put it up on the shelf and hope that it'll radiate some joy into our lives. But that's not where joy is. It's actually much easier to find than that. I can give you the address. You ready to write this down? Joy lives at the intersection of guilt and grace. The place where guilt and grace meet is where joy, true joy, eternal, lasting, solid joy is found. And now I know what you're thinking, joy and guilt, that's odd. Yes, it is. The world wouldn't tell you this, but it's true. When the depth of our guilt meets the grace of God, there's enough joy for all of the days to come. Hebrews is this, it's this little book towards the back of your Bible, and it's written to encourage uh, the readers to know that the kingdom of God is near, that the God of Abraham, the God of their ancestors, is our God too. And it, it tells the story of Jesus, and it's there to strengthen our faith, to be an assurance for us in the lives that you and I live, not just on Sunday mornings, but on every day of the week. And, and Hebrews shares these words from our reading today, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. You see, Jesus paved the way to joy because in him, guilt and grace, they come together. There are lots of ways that you and I could talk about the guilt that's on our shoulders. We've done it already this morning. As people, we are guilty of all sorts of things, things we do, things that we don't do, guilty of ignoring that family member who really needed us, guilty of of thinking that we can do everything in this life, that we can figure it all out on our own. We're guilty of thinking that we don't need God. We're guilty of so many things, but our guilt is so much more than the stuff that we do or the stuff that we don't do or think or fail at. Our guilt is in the heart. It's in my heart and it's in your heart and it's, it's this symptom of, of a great disease called sin, this condition that we carry with 
with us every day of our lives, this disease that tears this world apart. And before God, uh, we all bear the weight of this condemning guilt that says we deserve to be cut off from God forever. Guilt is this place of ultimate and utter despair. But not so when it's met with the fullness of God's grace. The joy set before Jesus, the joy that he endured the cross for, was the joy of covering our guilt, covering it with his grace. And when the guilt of of humanity meets the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, when it meets the cross and the empty tomb, these places of horror and triumph, something is made that you and I could never, ever produce on our own joy, a joy that says you have a new life, your guilt, your failures, your sin, the pieces of yourself and your life that you would rather ignore and not look at the things of this world, they are transformed by Jesus. Jesus, and because of that, you can walk through life, through the happy times, through the sad times, through the challenges of inflation and uncertain futures, through the chaos of family relationships and tangled friendships, through the struggles of work and and raising children. You can walk through that with a solid, eternal, never-fading joy, because there at the intersection of guilt and grace is Jesus. And Jesus says this in John's gospel, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Seeking happiness is always a work in progress. It is never finished. It's always in process. You will always be looking for that next fleeting moment, but the joy that we find in Jesus is already complete because he hung on a cross, the intersection of guilt and grace, and he said this, it is finished. We can find joy. And it can be ours, and it can live in us, always. A man named Leo found it. Leo was looking for happiness in life, like most of us. And when he was young, he thought he would find it out living a wild life, doing whatever he wanted to do, partying, gambling, one relationship after another. And it didn't do the trick, so maybe he thought money would help. He had some, and he went out and he got more uh, writing books, uh, still in emptiness that was there. Uh, uh, maybe fame would do it for him. He, he wrote some of the most famous books in, in literature, uh, War and Peace. Anna Karenina, his last name is Tolstoy, by the way. That didn't do it either for him, so he searched in other places, in family, in philosophy. He never found what he was looking for until he looked at the poorest people that he had ever met, the peasants of Russia, who had very little. He looked at them and he realized they have something that I don't. They have joy. And so he began to ask the question, where did They find it. They found it in Jesus at the intersection of guilt and grace.
And Tolstoy wrote later in his life of finding Jesus and the good news of his life, death, and resurrection, I became assured of this truth and was reassured and have joyfully lived 20 years of my life since then and am now joyfully approaching my death. Joy in life, joy even in death. To the world it might seem inappropriate, but that joy comes from nowhere else except Jesus and the realization that your guilt is covered by his grace, that your sin is washed away by his forgiveness and that in your death you will be raised to a new life with him and it's yours. It's yours because it was his first. It's yours and you can find joy today, now, a joy that can bring you through anything, a joy that you can hold on to forever. All that we need to do is fix our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can find joy in this life, but a joy that's deeper than anything that this world offers, a joy that comes in your love and in your grace, in your mercy, and in the new life we have in you. Help us to believe it today, to claim it, and to live it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.